This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. In this episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, I interviewed Daniela Falecki from Teacher Wellbeing, uh, which you can find at teacher-wellbeing.com.au. We have a fantastic conversation. Daniela is a former HPE teacher turned positive psychology and life coach, and she works specifically with schools and with teachers to improve whole school organizational well-being as well as personal individual well-being. I really enjoyed this conversation because Daniela and I are very aligned in our approaches. We both agree that it's important to take a really proactive approach to both personal and school well-being. In this episode, Daniela talks about the way tiny habits can make a really big difference in our own individual well-being and also about the difference between taking personal responsibility for our lives and sitting in self-blame and how one of them is proactive and one of them is reactive. She also talks a lot about looking inside ourselves for well-being instead of outside of ourselves. So, so working on well-being from the inside out first and why in terms of school well-being, a one-day staff barbecue isn't enough. It's got to be a long-term strategic approach. Daniela talks about the five dimensions of well-being that she works on with schools, and she gives a great list of really practical, uh, really practical actions that you can take to improve your well-being and just be kinder to yourself, be your own best friend. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with with Daniela and all the links that she mentions, and she does mention quite a number of fantastic resources, will be at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast in the show notes. And you can also check out Daniela's website, teacher-wellbeing.com.au, where she has a bunch of free and paid resources for personal well-being and also staff and whole school well-being as well. All right. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Daniela. How are you? Very well. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks for being on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Uh, let's dive straight in. Can you tell me and the listeners uh, about your background, um, your teaching context and what you do these days? Yeah, wow. Where to begin? It's a long journey. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically I started teaching in New South Wales, so teaching in Sydney, in the in southwest Sydney, um, uh, nearly 20 years ago now. And um, I started working in the, the, the department, so the government system. And then from there, um, doing lots of different things. My background was PE or PDHPE, as it's called these days. And um, I went from um, southwest Sydney to another school, which had a high um, Islamic population in that school. And so basically, I was with the department for about 10 years and um, a surprise, surprise, became a little bit jaded. But um, <laughs> from that, I then thought there's got to be a better way to um, better engage young people and, and, and also feel more satisfied myself because I was feeling like I was doing 80% of paperwork and only 20% of teaching. 
Yeah. So I embarked on um, a full-time uh, three-year journey of learning to become a Rudolf Steiner teacher. So that was pretty cool. So I learned yeah. to be a hippie for a while. Um, <laughs> and I thought, and that's basically an independent school. And there's only one school in Sydney. And so um, I was fortunate enough to get a position there. And um, I thought that would be the answer. But um, Ellen, it wasn't because schools are schools and kids are kids and teachers are teachers. So and because it was a community independent school, I found myself basically um, at uh, school at 7 o'clock in the morning and then there would be a year three meeting on a Monday night, a year four meeting on a Tuesday night, a year five meeting on a Wednesday night, etc. So I was, I was at work from 9 a.m. till 10, uh, sorry, from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. basically yeah. on a Friday. And um, I was doing lots of different things and became quite exhausted in doing that. So I decided to leave teaching altogether and um, I wanted to go to any place in the world where they didn't speak English because um, I was sick of talking to people. I was done. <laughs> yeah, nothing left in the tank. I know, right? And so I um, I travelled around Europe for a while, came back, was fortunate enough to be offered a position as a national, a New South Wales manager of an outdoor education company. And um, so then was managing the top 10 private schools in Sydney in running their curriculum camps or outdoor education camps. And then um, from there, I never stopped learning um, myself and trying to find better ways to be a better person and better ways to manage my own well-being. And so have embarked on the field of psychology for the last 10 to 15 years and coaching as well. So I've done a number of courses in that sort of field. I've also been, I did lots of casual teaching um, and I've also, I also lecture at Western Sydney University. I've also lectured at Sydney University and Macquarie University, but find myself these days at Western Sydney. And when I'm not mm -hmm. doing that, I'm traveling around Australia and I've, I've formulated my own business many years ago called Teacher Wellbeing. Such a good name. <laughs> I know. It was a great name. I came across your stuff and I thought, wow, this is amazing. We need to connect. We need to be doing work together. So absolutely, it's a bit of a long-winded intro, but there's so many things that I've done, but I'm really looking forward to having this conversation to share a bit more of my journey, but then also share what I've learned along that way because um, I wish I knew there was a whole world out there called positive psychology when I was yeah. a first year out teacher. So that's what I pretty much do now is I want to share with with teachers what the research is saying, but put it in very practical ways um, because at the end of the day, I'm a practitioner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, I'm really excited to hear as well because I mean, just one, it's, I just find it really interesting. People's yeah. different backgrounds and, and, you know, as you say, the long journey, but it's so interesting when you hear about the journey of, oh, that's, that makes so much sense why the person's doing this now, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, just before we get to a bit more in depth of what you, what you do share with um, first year teachers and, and with the workshops that you do around the country now, um, I'd love to dive in a little bit to, the, you know, those times when you felt yourself feeling jaded and you felt yourself um, feeling exhausted. Yep. Because I think those are uh, challenges um, that a lot of people can relate to, mm. um, you know, inside and outside of schools, but certainly teachers, those are probably the two main complaints, I think. It's exhaustion yep. and the one that's a little bit more insidious and perhaps less um, less acknowledged, but I see it a lot, is that sense of cynicism, that sense of jadedness with, yep. the, with the system and I've been there too. Um, can you talk to me about how you, some of the things you did in those moments, other than um, making changes in in the career, you know, mm -hmm. your career path, so the Rudolf Steiner stuff, and then a trip around Europe, you know, um, 
What other strategies did you try then to kind of overcome that? Yeah. Um, look, to be honest, when I was a first year art teacher, and like I said, my, my background was um, PE and mm. going into a school, your initiation as a PE teacher is the first year art teacher gets given sport. Um, so yeah. here I am. Um, we don't, you don't really get taught how to organize sport and people think, oh, you're a PE teacher, you must be really fit. It's like, well, no, I spend my whole time doing administration. And I didn't do mm. a subject at university called event management. And that's what um, carnivals or sport is. So I would have um, 800 children, 80 staff, 15 buses, organizing grade sport, home sport, and then recreational sport. And I would have to all coordinate that every week on a week. So every week was a major event. And I had no period allocation. I was a first year out teacher trying to manage my own classes and work out what the hell I was doing. And so because I, I basically had to rely on my own inner resources, my own communication strategies, my own personal emotional management strategies, and as a 21-year-old, they weren't very good. And so yeah. here I am trying to organize these older, mature, more experienced staff members, and my goodness, some of them were just horrible and useless when it came to following instructions. So as yeah. a result, I made a lot of mistakes. And um, to be honest, I tried I, I tried lots of different strategies to um, learn to be uh, – to be honest, my main strategy was to blame myself and mm. I had to do it better and I could do it better. And so I had to be more organized. I had to be more structured. I had to be more explicit. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And unfortunately, I don't think I used – um, many, if any, proactive strategies to support myself in those times. Um, I was playing sport. Uh, I'm not a gym person. I hate going to the gym. Um, but I was playing, I was playing sport two or three times a week. So that was one of my, my outlets. Um, I did like walking. Um, I love, you know, getting back to nature. So that's a very important part of my journey as well. So I often would walk through parks and trees and just have that quiet time. But other than yeah. that, I didn't really use anything explicit. I was really just relying on myself and putting a lot of pressure on myself with the outcome of me saying, okay, well, I can't do what I want to do here. It must be me. I need to change jobs. Uh, and I became frustrated. I became angry. I became cranky. My relationships failed. Um, you know, it really took a big toll on my entire life, really. Yeah. And I think that that's not uncommon, mm. that blaming the self yeah. and having feeling like the personal life is not going well because so much of life is work right. and works kind of, you know, maybe maybe outwardly you look like you're okay, but inside, as you say, you're feeling like you're not good enough and you just have to do more and be more to be enough. Yeah, because the job's never done. And then you have, no. you have other teachers that you're trying to influence or trying to work with and you're feeling like they're just not doing their job or they're just not following simple tasks. And it's not because they're horrible people. It's because they've got their own stuff and their own pressures. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's a hard one, you know, keeping in mind that I was a 21-year-old. Uh, this was ongoing as well and, and, you know, similar experiences in many different schools really. Mm. Well, and I, I hope that um, anybody listening who's maybe feeling that way right now um, can hear that there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, absolutely! There is a different way to do things. It's there it's really is. the only. It's not the the only solution is to leave teaching. That's it. You you know, yeah. You're not enough. Get out. That's not the only option. I know, and that's one of the things that sort of upsets me and drives me to to continue my uh, doing what I'm doing as teacher well being. 
which is I often hear, have many conversations, probably on a, on a daily basis when I'm speaking to teachers. And the, the thing they say is, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years. I don't know what else to do, but I can't stay here. Yeah. I have to leave. Yeah. And I say, no, no, there are other things that we can do. There really are some strategies that come from the evidence, that come from experience, that, that, that are simple in building, um, you know, new, new habits, but habits aren't always simple to build, but there are definitely things to do. Exactly. And I think sometimes it's also about, you know, it's easy to say that when, when you're not in the thick of it, it can be really hard to see another way when you're in the yeah. thick of it, yep. um, which is yeah. why sometimes a change of some kind, like a holiday or whatever can help because it does just give you that little bit of distance. Definitely. Um, and, and I think that teachers are, we're fortunate in the sense that we do have holidays yep. to, you know, have that opportunity a couple of times a year to hopefully maybe get away and just get a little bit more perspective mm. when life is in that, you know, in that place where we're yeah. feeling like we can't see any other way. Yeah. It's interesting you say about the holidays as well. I was actually just listening to another podcast um, yesterday where they were saying that um, relying on our holidays is not not enough to manage our well-being and it's it's building those small habits. And um, there's a great uh, guy who, who does a lot of fantastic work. His name is BJ Fogg, F-O-G-G. And he taught, he's got a website that offers some fantastic tools and resources and they're called Tiny Habits. And that's um, basically his mantra is about we change the world through tiny habits. So it's creating yeah. minute by minute little little processes to, to actually better support ourselves. Well, I love that because also if we're living for the holidays, we're wishing our life away. Totally. And my, that's one of my pet hates. I mean, I'm often doing staff development days and I get into a school. It's the first day of the school term and I'm walking past teachers and they're, and they're saying, oh, we've only got nine weeks to go. And I think, really? I said, oh, my goodness, wash your mouth out. That's a terrible yeah. way to be living your life, wishing it away. Shocking. Yeah. And and. Yet I also find people, um, and I don't know if you experience this, I also find that sometimes people are quite hostile towards teachers, people who are not in the school system, hostile towards teachers because we do get holidays and they don't realise how much work happens on school holidays. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's something that we, we should embrace when when we do have those kind of periods where we can get away, you know, in the middle of the year that may, when maybe other people don't have those opportunities, you know. To, to get that break, but you're absolutely right. If that's the only time we're looking after ourselves or the only time we're allowing ourselves to do something for our well-being, it's not enough because it becomes just a boom and bust cycle. That's exactly right. And, and I actually experienced this um, last year myself. I've, I had one of my busiest years ever and, um, you know, I was doing lots of different things and then I actually went away to Noosa for five days and I really, really struggled to switch off. I didn't take work away mm. with me. I didn't um, have any intention of doing any work. I specifically went to get away, but I found it really hard to sit still. I'd be up. I'd be down. I'd be walking. I'd say, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's." And my partner would be like, would you just sit down? And I really struggled. And then I realized that it's the it's, it's, it becomes a neurological habit of going, going, going. And to learn to stop and be uncomfortable in that moment of transitioning into stillness is absolutely imperative. And it's something that I still struggle with myself, but I do it with awareness, Ellen. So, you know, it's <laughs> yes. important. Well, exactly. And it's a practice. It is. And like any practice, that it's never done. You know, you, you practice and you keep practicing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every day or whenever yeah, you do it. Yeah, the whole cliche, you know, life's um, a journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Well, so let's talk about, like I said, I hope that that does, um, if anyone's listening and they are feeling a bit stuck at the moment, I hope that this does give them some hope that there there are lots of tiny things that you can do. That tiny habits website, I'm going to look up and put a link in the show notes for people. Um, so let's talk about some of those proactive strategies because this is what you do. This is what you do with staff and you go and do staff development and, and coaching with teachers. What would be maybe three things that you would love teachers to know and to maybe implement yeah, in their sure. lives? Um, great question. Um, for me, it all comes down to a bit of self-mastery. Um, so if I can just, before I get to the three things, if I can just give some, um, background. So for me, you know, in, in learning to be where I am and who I am today, um, I, I am one of these people that I did blame myself for everything that went wrong. And so, yes, I am responsible for me, but then there's a whole system out there as well. But if I'm going to blame myself for things, then I also need to be proactive, um, instead of reactive to life. So I can actually, you know, regain some of my own personal control in things. So, you know, I did lots of different things. I've never stopped learning. So whether it be, you know, learning angel cards, learning to talk to the moon, learning about crystals, learning about Reiki, learning about yoga, learning about meditation, learning about psychology, um, learning about um, coaching, learning about life coaching, learning about NLP. But basically, learning all of these things taught me to, um, well, encouraged me to actually look outside myself. And so in all of this, these learnings, I've, I've really come to learn that it's about looking inside myself, not outside myself. And one of the major things that teachers feel is they feel out of control because so many things within the system, are, uh, they feel that things are imposed upon them. And so one of the things that I try and work with teachers is we talk about well-being from the inside out first. Is there organizational well-being? Yes. But I can't change an organization as an individual. So when I work with leaders, we look at organizational well-being, but when I work with whole staff, we look at personal well-being and we look at well-being or building resilience from the inside out first. I love that. Yeah. So it's all about the self-mastery, but yeah, it's just, it's well-being from the inside. And you know, that movie, the Disney movie, Inside Out, oh my gosh, my oh, favorite movie. Isn't it beautiful? Love it. It's so true. All of, I realized that all the voices in my head were normal when I watched that movie. I was like, oh, thank goodness I'm normal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it really is the inside out. So, um, and that's one of the things I try and, and, and work with with teachers. Um, so I work obviously in um, whole staff well-being. So whole staff development days, um, whether that be three-hour twilight sessions after school or whole days, and then of course there's the ongoing consulting stuff. But primarily, it's the initial contact is those um, those workshops. So the three things that I would recommend was that the that's the question, Ellen, isn't it? The three things, yeah. It is, but you know what? I mean, they can be more than three there is more than three and I'm always saying to people like there's there's no one size fits all and I know that you agree with this yeah. because what what works for one person you know the person next to you in the staff room maybe doesn't work for you and also what worked for you last year maybe doesn't work for you this year oh, you've got to keep checking in <laughs> yeah and I say it's a bit like exercise you know um you you can't I'm a I'm the personal trainer that comes into your school um, but not everyone wants to get on the treadmill. Some people want to do Zumba. Some people want to do yoga. Some people want to do Pilates. Some people want to do kayaking or hiking. Everyone mm. wants something different. And some and people have knee, knee injuries that mean they absolutely. can't do certain activities. You know, you've got to tailor it. Yeah. And one of the things that I find a little bit frustrating is when school principals or, um, you know, your executive will say, you know, we want to prioritize staff well-being. We're not sure where to start. 
Um, we gave them a, um, a barbecue at the end of the year and we don't know what else to do. And I say, oh, well, that's fabulous. Yes. Um, and do continue doing the barbecue. But doing a one-day staff barbecue is like giving someone a one-day gym membership in January and saying, I don't know why you're not fit in December. It's, it's, it, it's not enough. It needs to be more strategic. So one of the most popular things I do with school is talk about the five dimensions of well-being. So cognitive well-being is how we think. Emotional well-being is how we cope. Social well-being is how we connect. Uh, physical well-being is how we eat, sleep and exercise. And then spiritual well-being is my sense of meaning or my sense of values. And so with, um, with cognitive well-being, I often talk to teachers about tracking the good stuff um, and just, you know, noticing, noticing mm. the good stuff that happens because in staff meetings and um, staff rooms, we tend to only talk about the negative stuff. And that negative stuff has a real impact on our physiology, yeah. has an impact on our emotions as well. But I suppose just to make it even more practical, Ellen, if I can, there's yes, a, please. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I've certainly used to spend my entire days doing a to-do list. Do you, do you use to-do lists? I do, yeah. although I use them quite differently to the way I used awesome. to. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, may I give a suggestion for all the teachers listening out there? because I'm sure they're using to-do lists as well. Um, and so typically what we do is we write to-do and then we do our write all the things we need, all the tasks we need to complete in the day. Um, as we do them, we cross them off. And then um, at the end of the day, we look at our list and go, oh, my gosh, I've still got so much more to do, and we rewrite it the next day. Is that That's typically what we do, right? Yeah, yeah. So what if um, instead of writing at the top of my page to-do list, I write at the top of my page achievement list? Yes. And then as I, uh, I still write all the same tasks, the job doesn't change, um, and I write all my tasks down, and as I achieve them, I highlight them, I smiley stamp them, I sticker them, I tick them, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. And then at yeah. the end of the day, you even add more to it, things like, oh, I remembered to go to the toilet because uh, you had time <laughs> to do that. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, you look at your list and you say, oh, my gosh, look how much I've achieved today. No wonder I feel so tired or no wonder I'm feeling, you know, exhausted. I really need to go home and give myself half an hour break to just breathe out because look at everything I've achieved. You still add things the next day. So the job doesn't change, but what we're doing is we're reframing our perspective about the job. Instead of feeling like I've got to do, 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 which is output, I'm actually achieving, which is an inner experience. Does that make sense? It really does, and that because that highlighter trick, I, like that's the that's what I changed. I also have changed uh, my to do list is no longer just a brain dump of everything that's got to be done forever. I have one of those lists, and then I have a list that's okay, but this is just my like priorities for the day. And then if I get through all of them, I'll look at the other list and see what else happens. Because not everything is urgent for today, and if it stays on today's list, I feel overwhelmed at the end of the day when I think, oh my gosh, but. That highlighter thing is so powerful. And because I liken it to if you're doing a 10 kilometer running race or, you know, um, you know, like a marathon or whatever, a half marathon, um, the, the, the mindset of, and, and I'm sort of new, I was not an athletic person or doing sports a lot growing up. So I'm new to this whole exercise thing. Um, but this is something that I've learned is that if, if you're doing a 10 kilometer race and you've done one kilometer and you're thinking about the nine kilometers that there are to go, that's very different than thinking about, yes, one kilometre done. You, you, you look at the achievement because it's motivating. Whereas if you're thinking, oh, my God, I have nine kilometres left, 
you, it, it's a completely, it's, I mean, you're exactly the same point in the race, but it's a completely different experience. Absolutely. And if that's been a perfect metaphor for exactly what positive psychology is. And so there are many, many mm. ways to mel- to well-being and well-being is very complex. It's very dynamic. Um, and there are many theories associated with well-being. But, um, what I, the lens that I choose to promote and teach, teach your well-being is through a positive psychology lens. And it's instead of, instead of, uh, and what that means is instead of asking ourselves, what's wrong or what's not working or what's missing, we ask ourselves what is right and what is working and what can we continue doing. And, you know, your your, um, marathon uh, metaphor is very much the same. Instead of looking at all the things, you know, the nine kilometres I've got to go, um, I'm looking at the one kilometre I've already done. Mm. Mm. And it's because it's not ignoring the fact that there's still nine kilometres left. No, No, not at all. It's not denying um, you know, positive psychology is not denying the fact that sometimes life Correct. sucks. You know, yeah, sometimes totally. things are uncomfortable and tricky and hard. But it is about fo- it's the focus on yeah. on what's going well. And yeah. and I mean, it's we we know this about the students in our classrooms when we're talking about behavior management. If you're yeah. only ever picking on the you know the things that are breaking the rules, you're not doing all that descriptive encouraging and the the positive reinforcement. And you're not doing any of those things. Yeah. Um, you've got to catch the kids doing the right thing, That's right. Um, following the rules. It's exactly the same thing, I know. same same approach, just with ourselves and with our, with our self-talk. Absolutely. But it also um, links very closely with our emotional well-being as mm-hmm. well because um, if we think about all the things I have to do at work and, you know, we know in teaching that the job is endless, it's absolutely endless. Um, so I'm always thinking about all the things I have to do. For example, I might be Saturday, um, I'm at a barbecue with friends, but my head is still thinking about work. And so then it comes to Sunday and I'm still thinking about work. I'm not actually doing it, but I'm thinking about yeah. it. And then I come to Monday and I'm already arriving Monday exhausted because I haven't been able to switch my mind off. So the cognitive mm. well-being links in with the emotional well-being. If I can't switch my mind off and create some personal boundaries in my thinking capacity, then it's going to influence my emotional well-being where I feel like I'm completely drained even before I've got there. So yeah, the whole mind exactly. connection um, is not the hippie stuff. It really is based in science. Um, uh, if people are interested in finding out more about that mind-body connection from a science perspective to where they teach this for themselves, learn this for themselves or teach this to um you know, the, their students, then HeartMath is a fantastic organization. Yes. So HeartMath, M-A-T-H dot org is a fantastic, um, organization with heaps of resources for kids, um, and even uh, more resources and practical strategies for, um, adults to use as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's, and, and you're so right. It's not hippy dippy stuff. It can be if you want, if that works for you, but there is, proper science behind that mind body connection and and it works so learn about it you know apply it use it in your life well that's where the whole mindfulness thing comes in as well i mean did you did you know ellen that the research indicates that teachers are the number one stress profession in the world yeah, I so I always say to teachers, you know, well done, you know, good job, number one in the world, go you. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there, it, it's it's not good enough to say, well, this is just the way it is. Um, and I know that school leaders are really trying to prioritise um, their well-being. In fact, um, I'm I'm sure you're aware of there was the um, new report that's just come out, Principal Health and Wellbeing Survey mm-hmm. 2017, mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about teacher stress being high. 
but of all the different organisations or sections of the community inside education, principals are the ones who are, who are even more stressed than the general population with all the stuff that they're having Absolutely. to deal with. But if we look at the research of what works in terms of managing teacher, managing stress, then we can go to John Kabat-Zinn stuff in the 1970s yeah. for mindfulness-based stress reduction. And it's one of the most evidence-based practices that is non-medicinal. So if we take, mm. um, you know, the mindfulness-based stress reduction program and we take teachers as the number one stress profession and we put them together and we get mindfulness for teachers. And there's a fantastic book by um, Patricia Jennings called Mindfulness for Teachers where it's practical oh, cool. stories um, that teachers can, um, you know, photocopy or, or look at the little case studies and present them and talk about them in staff meetings and sort of say, well, how can I be more mindful in the classroom? And when I share this with mm -hmm. teachers, I, I see little people giggle and snigger and think, oh, yeah, how can I be, how can I practice, you know, meditation or mindfulness in the classroom? Am I just going to say, oh, you three, just occupy yourselves while I just sit here and stand in a tree pose for yoga um, and meditate <laughs> yeah. for a moment? And the answer is no, we don't do that. But what we do it's do, different. yeah, we, we, the, the idea is to have mindful moments, not half an hour meditation. And mindfulness is not meditation. Mindfulness is just being present. So it's, it's about having mindful moments. And those mindful moments might be 30 seconds as you walk between classes. It might be 30 seconds as you go to the bathroom, 30 seconds as you stop at your desk and have a glass of water and just not, and do a body scan. 30 seconds mm -hmm. as you're on playground duty and you're doing a walking meditation. So there are so many things about just being present, managing that cognitive well-being of how we think so we can mm -hmm. better restore our emotional well-being, which is how we cope. Absolutely, and because it's, sh it's short circuits. When you, when you stop and tune into where you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether it's exactly on playground duty or driving a car or washing the dishes and you just stop and you go, all right, what am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I feeling? You know, what, what sensations are there in my body? And you just really tune into the right now. It, it stops that, that anxious thinking and that, um, monkey mind stuff of, oh my goodness. And I've got 25 things to do for that class on Monday and dinner to plan and all these other things that are going buzzing around our brains. And it just interrupts that and goes, yeah, but where am I right now? It's 2.30 on Tuesday and I'm here and I'm, you know, looking at Johnny yeah. who's doing that thing again <laughs> with his pen. Exactly. <laughs> Stop it, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. And um, I will put those, um, I will also look up that, um, John Kabat-Zinn has several yeah. books and lots of great stuff and I'll look up that Mindfulness for Teachers one too and put a yeah, link in the show sure. notes as well. Fantastic. Very cool. So we, that, I mean, we've covered quite a number there. So tracking the good stuff, the, the turning your to-do list into right. an achievement list, um, mind-body connection, mindfulness, mindful moments, which I think I love, really important. Yeah. It's not the same as no. meditation. Um, um, look, one, another one I find really helpful is um, just keeping, you know, there are so many apps out there. So I have a gratitude mm. journal. Um, which is my gratitude. Yep. If, if people just, you know, get their, their, um, go into the app store or the Google Play store, open the search button and type in the word gratitude journal and just see how many apps come up. Um, and one of the things I do when I'm lying in bed and I'm finding it, um, hard to switch my mind off, instead of running through all the things in my mind that I have to do, I open up my gratitude journal and I think, okay, what are five things I'm grateful for that happened today? And it really helps me connect back to my sense of meaning, my sense of purpose, which is my spiritual well-being as well, because um, I remember what I'm doing. And it's about leaving – what legacy did I leave at the end of today, 
not at the end of my 25 years or 30 years when I walk away with, you know, with a, with a school spoon, but what did I actually achieve today and, and, and noticing and, and reconnecting to our sense of value and purpose. And so I write down five things I'm grateful for. And I also get to add a picture of something that I've taken through the day. And then at the end of the month, depending on uh, whichever app you get, um, I can print out a calendar of that month of all my gratitude pictures and I put that calendar month inside my day book when I'm at work. So when I'm, not if, but when I'm having a down moment, I can look back at that um, calendar of images and I think to myself, oh, that's right, I do have a life, I forgot about that. Um, and it, oh, just, and it just reminds lovely. me of the stuff that I actually do and the stuff to appreciate and again, it brings me back to center more quickly. Um, the other thing to Google, not Google, the other thing to search in the App Store or Google Play Store is type in the word mindfulness. And there are thousands and thousands of free apps that you can do at any time, any place, anywhere. And if teachers listening to this are not using Smiling Mind, start using it <laughs> for yourself and for your students. Can I tell you, kids love lying on the floor and breathing. Yes. They're so overstimulated with instruction to be engaged and sometimes they just want to lie down and do nothing, just like us. We want to lie down and do nothing. So use the apps, use the resources that are out there. There are so many that are available to us. Mm, I love that and I, and I thoroughly agree um getting the kids in the classroom involved because actually i've got an interview coming up with um with katie who pretty much that's how she got into mindfulness and and helped change her entire um sense of personal well-being was actually through implementing a well-being program with the students in her class and and started actually doing the activities with the students instead of just saying do this do that she actually started participating and um and it changed everything for her. Absolutely. Well, the research supports that, Ellen. I mean, if people are interested in the research, they just need to go into um, mindfulness, uh, mindfulness for Schools UK, Mindfulness for Schools Project, and it's a Stop B program, Stop Breathe. Um, and the research is all there on really helping young people as young as seven years old to really turn their behaviour around. And also... Um, New sciences, neuroscience has come out to show that when when people participate in an eight week mindfulness uh, program, it literally changes the grey matter in their brain. The grey matter being yeah. responsible for problem solving um, and critical thinking. So it really mm. does help us to be better people for ourselves. And when we're a better person, we're actually better for our students. And one of my exactly. mantras is that um, student well being begins with teacher well being. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Daniela. Um, I actually have one more question yeah. for you if you're happy to go on for a couple more minutes. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to know what, what well-being and self-care like means for you now because we talked about back when you were an early career teacher yeah. and, it, you know, there was a lot of self-talk that was negative yeah. and you've talked about a lot of strategies if you had to sum it up in one sentence, I don't know that's hard, <laughs> what is what is well-being for you? Well-being for me is actually being kinder to myself, being my own best friend and allowing myself to ebb and flow in life. It's That is beautiful. Yeah, it's just it really is, uh, you know, when I do my seminars, I talk about well-being as being on a continuum from minus 10 to zero to plus 10 and the zero is okay um, and it's actually, so I'm, I'm at okay, but there's, there's more to life than being okay. And in teaching, we are going to feel frustrated, um, 
angry uh, and stressed. And it's okay to feel that, but it's not okay to stay there because then we're at risk of moving down towards the minus 10. But alternatively, it's it's really important to savour the moments when we get that wonderful um, piece of feedback from a colleague or a parent or, you know, the nice email from a parent or the aha moment with the, with the student that we save yeah. the plus fives as much as possible as well. And I don't think yeah. we're very good at doing that. We, we, we're so busy running from task to task that we don't actually stop and say, well done to me. That was awesome. And, and really feel it deeply in our heart. I don't think we live mm. so much in our head and we forget that teaching is an emotional vocation and we need to live more in our heart space. I love that. Well, where can people connect with you? Because I think they're going to want to. Oh, awesome. Well, I encourage them and please drop me a line in any capacity. So there's Teacher Wellbeing, the website. That's, um, you know, www.teacher-wellbeing.com.au. Um, and on the website, I've actually got lots of free downloadable stuff that people can use um, for themselves in their classroom or in staff, meeting, staff meetings. There's also some stuff that they can purchase um, there is also, because people often say, oh, Daniela, there's so much to think about. I'm busy in the day. How can I just remember this stuff? And so what I did is I developed a pack of 52 teacher wellbeing cards and they're just little reminders that people can put on their desk and you think, oh gosh, I'm just feeling pretty shitty at the moment. Pick a card and it's like, oh, that's right. What are three things I'm grateful for? Or, you know, have a drink of water or go for a mm-hmm. walk or whatever it might be. Simple little things. So that's available as well. Um, and then, of course, there's all the, you know, the social media outlets that um, I sort of just share. Well, there's there's Facebook. So there's Teacher Wellbeing Facebook. There's at yeah. Teacher Wellbeing Instagram. Um, and on those ones, I pretty much share, um, I share, you know, um, images that I think are going to be just little reminders. I share re- research articles and I share resources for student wellbeing as well. And then, of course, there's LinkedIn, which is Daniela Falecki. And then there's Twitter. Mm-hmm which is um, at D for Lecky. So it's hard. I tell you what, there is so much out there, Elena. It's hard for me to keep up with myself some days. <laughs> <laughs> I have that problem too. Um, it. I will put all of those links as well in the show notes. Uh, and thank you sure. so much, Daniela. And if people have any questions about anything that um, I've shared or, um, yeah, they just want to connect or just want to say hi or they want to touch base about what's happening in their school, I, I really welcome that. Um, because I think it's really important to, to – I see myself as a connector to really help people. There is, there's so much out there, but teachers are busy. Um, so I just want to try and help people, connect people to what actually is already existing and what is already out oh, there. Oh, brilliant. And uh, I, I, I'm so grateful that you've given a little bit more than half an hour of your time today to um, share your wisdom and your Pleasure. knowledge. There is so much yeah. out there. There's so much to talk about. Well, we could about. go on for weeks and we, we might uh, we might have we to do could. it. We'll have to do another one, Ellen. A repeat. Yes, I'd love that. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 